Did my Sheed also be playing in defence for Southampton next year? Because that's always funny. Chinch, do you want to uh, say what you wanted to say about Yoshida? Yoshida. Mm. Yoshida. 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 You said Yoshida. Mm. It's Yoshida. No, it's not. It's Yoshida. Hugh? No, it's Yoshida. It's Yoshida. He doesn't know how to pronounce his own name. It's, it's fine. <laughs> it's one of them. A bit like Kevin De, <laughs> De Bruyne. He got that. What a ridiculous award. Most assists. Is that right? The first award for that? Yeah, he got a big gold man. Big gold man? And the people that waited for about half an hour for him to come out and accept this award. And I said, get him out there. To, this is ridiculous. To take some pictures. Cadbury's all over it as well. I don't know what that's all about. But it's the first season they've given the most assist with his pass. Mm. It was him and Sané were on the same 14 or 15. The City were the top four, Top they? four, yes. And he won it with that pass. Well, and I'm sure he's incredibly moved by that mm. Cadbury's-related gift in the sunshine. That probably said, where's melted. the chocolate? Where's the chocolate? But it was just a big gold man. Why are we not outside, Chinch? You promised that we'd be doing a second al fresco pod in a row. We, that was the plan, but then Nicola, my excellent wife... But yes, yeah. indeed. You have three female family members yes. in uh, attendance. She's today. an excellent, both an excellent wife... And a, an excellent horticulturalist as well. You are. Can you hear me, darling? I love you uh, forever. And Apart she's, from the next twenty seconds, I went out there a couple of hours ago, cleared everything off, so the table was clear for us to do our work, swept everything up so it'd be nice and, and clean for us to, to walk upon. And then half an hour later, there's plants everywhere, empty pots all over. The, so we now can't go outside. Sorry. Oh, uh, yeah, you need to give, need to the, give warning. The key to a marriage, Chinch, is communication. I, I think I did tell her, but she ignored it. <laughs> it sounds to me like you almost certainly didn't tell the anyone. The key to everything. a successful marriage I'm is sure. selective hearing. I'm sure I did tell her. But anyway, let's not, let's not point the finger at Nick. It is glorious weather, though. It's glorious. It is glorious weather. So much so that Rory, um, when we were all arriving in Woodford, Cheshire, uh, suggested that everybody wanted to be enjoying the sunshine in Woodford, Cheshire, which was a reason for the terrible traffic, when in fact it's not the reason for the terrible traffic, it's just terrible traffic because of the roadworks. It's the roadworks. We were all yeah. snarled. It's a pincer movement of roadworks. By, by the roadworks. It's the popularity Thanks of for the warning us, area. <laughs> Why would I warn you? It's always busy. Because but set off <laughs> early enough to get here at the designated time of podding. That's all I'd say. <laughs> It was actually only me that was late, though, wasn't it, to be fair? No, we were all late. Well, we were all late. Yes, we I was late. latest because I've been at the vets. Yes, you're getting a dog passport for Hector. Hector now has a passport. Hector can now travel without quarantine. Yeah, that's extraordinary. Exactly. He's, he's been rabiesed. And what's rabiesed? rabiesed. Up. <laughs> he's been rabiesed up. And what's the reason behind this? Are you taking him on a because European tour? Rabies. Hector is going on a European tour, yeah. What, is it his first trip abroad? First trip abroad. He's very Fabulous. excited. He's bought Fabulous. a whole new wardrobe. Has he been to Wales right. or Scotland? Or He has been to Wa- Wales. He's been to Scotland. He's not been to Scotland. Hasn't been to Scotland, but he has, but been, he has to been to Yorkshire several times. Well, that is Yorkshire Yorkshire. Yorkshire. As we know, it's a world. different country. It is. Yeah. This is Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. The food, from what I understand, is going to come to us in triplicate oh. because once again we are at Casa de la Hinchcliffe, comma Nikki, mm-hmm. who's going to provide us with um, three courses. The first course is already fairly decimated mm. and it is crudités and hummus and some just beautifully warmed pita bread um chinch has mm. piled a huge mouthful oh. right in there um, so thank you in advance for what is to come and thank you indeed for what has already happened chinch did you make this pita bread yourself i did yes <laughs> yeah, i did. Uh, i made it this Hand morning molded it uh-huh. i'm hugh ferris with me are rory smith whose methods you like Andy Hinchcliffe, who doesn't get the job done. And Terry R. Castle, <laughs> whose methods you may not like, but he gets the job done. I've not got the glasses on. I've not got the jacket with the sleeves rolled up. And we're not sat outside. But apart from that... Yeah, but the spirit of Terry Corse is within your veins. Steve, nailed it. Know. He sorts out the impropriety in society. <laughs> I have been thinking about that one. You wait for a gap. Long, yeah, long, absolutely yeah. nailed it. Incidentally, somebody on Twitter said Terry Hardcastle should be the big Sam of managers. <laughs> it was Jez Bays on Twitter. Apart from the fact that nobody would dare boo Hardcastle. Because if they did, <laughs> they would see a bunch of fives. <laughs> no, you see, I think Terry Hardcastle doesn't doesn't care about what you think of him. That's key to his personality. But He's would, so would he not like wildly lash out? No, but Bid Sam massively does. Bid Sam's incredibly oh, sensitive, yeah. He mm. just really, you can tell. That's, what, that's why he gets all upset when people don't tell him how great he is. Because he's, he's essentially then? a teenage girl. <laughs> the, um, well, he could change his ways. Actually, by my experience, he's a teenage boy. <laughs> <laughs> or a teenage boy. I always say my dad's like a teenage girl because he's, he's incredibly melodramatic. Uh, but that could also be true of a, t- of a teenage boy, yes. Again, I, I, by my own experience, I retract a teenage the, boy. I retract the entire gendering of that statement. What kind of team would 
Terry Hardcastle manage? What kind of format? Would it be a 4-4-2 four, four, kind of match? Luton? he manage Luton. Yeah. Luton's Luton. got lots of Luton goals. Luton. But, but only in the 1980s. He yeah. wouldn't manage Luton. Plastic pitch? Before then or after plastic then. Pitch, plastic pitch, big jacket. Graze's on your knees. Long ball. Yeah, because the plastic <laughs> You ain't done a day's work until you've got a graze on both knees. <laughs> the great <laughs> thing about plastic pitch would be, you know, limited amount of maintenance required. Yeah, that's can, true. Can, yeah, I, yeah. can I detract, can I take, away, take us away from the Terry Hardcastle hint to a vignette of my time at Huddersfield? For the Huddersfield yeah. Arsenal game. Recently. Because uh, we don't like to time. This is a tangent. This is a tangent. But the really weekend just passed. Anyway, is enough. when Huddersfield played Arsenal in, in a recent Premier League fixture, <laughs> yeah. the, um, the, the press box at Huddersfield was so full that A, they ran out of food, and B, which is, I mean, relegate them immediately. Uh, and You're more than making up for it today, so complain no, no more. B, they had to put several journalists in the overflow section. Yeah, the overspill. Now, most... Most grounds, the overflow is an area of seating directly adjacent to the press box. So you, you can still t- sort of see replays and you can talk to other journalists and, you know, you're kind of still within the kind of professional part, not the professional part, the, the part of the stadium where people are working. So it doesn't surprise people, for example, when you when you don't stand up and cheer goals because you're, you're not there. That's not why we're there. We're not there to have fun. No, no fun. At Huddersfield, it's slightly different. You're just in the stands, right in the far corner of one of the one of the stands that runs alongside the pitch, rather than one of the ends, in amongst Huddersfield fans. And it was a it was a lovely experience because they were all in such a good mood. It was a great atmosphere. It was lovely and sunny. It was a lovely day. I enjoyed myself. But anyway, I was sat next to these two, I wouldn't say old fellas, but they were they were towards the autumn of their of their lives. They'd have been sort of mm, late fifties, early sixties, I would say. Clearly, been known That's to average age in Huddersfield, isn't it? I, I would have thought so. Yeah, the, it's very nice Huddersfield. You know, people should. It doesn't sound nice, but it is very nice, uh, and the countryside is spectacular. Anyway, obviously, I was sat there paying attention to the game, doing my, doing, being a, being a, an observer, a, a, a journalist, working. And these two old fellows were sat next to me. They were very pleasant, and they actually had quite a sort of high level assessment of everything that happened. I quite liked them. I get really annoyed by fans who who are totally blinded by tribalism, and and sort of say. Seem to refuse to believe that they ever conceded a throw or whatever, but these guys were pretty good. Except for, for one thing, which was they, whenever Huddersfield put a nice passage of play together, and this is related to something that I, I, I've missed, they would say, it's all bloody anti-football, isn't it, Lawrenson? Now, I presume at some point, Mark Lawrenson <laughs> right. has accused Huddersfield <laughs> of playing anti-football. So as soon as they, they, they strung three passes together, they'd be like, oh, it's all bloody anti-football with Huddersfield. They were town, isn't it? It's all anti-football, Lawrenson. And I was like, well, Lawrenson's not, he's not here. He can't hear you, lads. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that that was the kind of, but they they were very much the kind of, you know, they they liked it when when Matthias Jordanson won won headers. They liked Steve Mounier going up and challenging the centre halves. It was that that sort of thing got them going. Except when when the Huddersfield left back, I don't know who it is, chased Hector Bellerin down midway through the first half. The Arsenal were tippy tapping around at the back. Well, it's like the Tommy Smith, Chris Lerver. It, I think it might be Lerver. Scott Malone. I think it was no Malone won't play. I think Lerver. I think it was Lerver. I hope it is. Mr. Lerver, Lerver. Anyway, so... The, was he totally uh, bombastic? He was, it was a bomb... It, what followed was bombastic. It's a reference that those two Huddersfield uh, fans, no doubt, will immediately recognise, Mr. Lerver, Lerver. Well, the irony is that one of Huddersfield's... Oh, no. Oh, no, I've got, oh, a, I've got a wire in the hummus. He's just dipped the a wire in the hummus. I'm not licking Which that. Which actually doesn't feel too bad, because during your story so far, Chinch has actually put his little finger directly into the hummus, <laughs> scooped it up... On the outside, though. ...and shoved it straight in his mouth. No. Anyway, Rory, continue, anyway, because I, otherwise we'll never get to the end yeah, of the no, story. I, the, I was going to say, the irony is that, that they would know Mr. Lover Lover, because obviously one of Huddersfield's chants is to the tune of Inika Moses, here comes a hot stepper. Anyway, <laughs> the yeah, so they, they, they were that sort of fan. That's what they wanted to see in their football team. They wanted to see heart and passion and soul and all that business. Anyway, then Chris Lover chases Hector Bellerin down when Arsenal are tippy-tapping around at the back, and Bellerin has to go back to David Ospina. And there's a little round of applause, as there always is, when the home team kind of forces the, the opposition to go all the way back. And one of the old fellas turns to the other one and goes, that is Gaden pressing at its absolute best. <laughs> <laughs> and I genuinely thought, the football, this is football in Britain has changed. And that, that is, that is my moment of the season. Flat caps, because if, no. if a gentleman in flat caps quoting Gagan Presson would be a perfect microcosm of, of the new generation of English football. Anyway, so that, that is that 
that is my absolute high point of the season. And, and once again, Set Piece Menu provides a service in that you now know everything you need to know about Huddersfield Town ahead yes. of next season, their yeah. second season. In That's the true. Had they got relegated, you wouldn't have bothered with that no, story exactly. because it would have not offered a service at They would have kind. suddenly become irrelevant to me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, plenty to come apart from a conversation about a subject, which is a weekly occurrence on this fine podcast of Set Piece Menu, but we'll also reveal the winner of the Set Piece Menu Premier League Predictions League where you guess the final table. That is the SPMPLPLWYGTFT. Uh, the Premier League is over and there can be only one winner and this time it isn't Manchester City. Uh, don't forget to get in touch and you can do via at Set Piece Menu on Twitter and setpiecemenu at gmail.com. We start with this from James Davis. Funnily enough, on the SPMPLPL. Gents, says James, after listening to your most recent pod it became clear that you require a little help. That could... Okay genuinely refer to anything but James continues whilst discussing the results of the prediction league Rory inquired about the maximum possible score and mm. suggested that it might be 20 times 20 400 this of course is incorrect yeah and I worked that out pretty quickly and was later highlighted to Rory James remembers not that Rory highlighted it himself mm, however incorrect. the discussion that ensued didn't fill me with confidence that you would calculate the correct value very easily so I thought I would offer my assistance as I know that you and the majority of your other listeners will not care for the details of how to calculate the maximum score I will start by telling you that it is 200 if you want to you can take my word on this and read no further at which point I read no further so he offers not go. only an explanation but two examples too which are excellent but I must admit read out loud James it doesn't make particularly good content so we will just say we trust you and we thank you that is James Davis a big reveal then coming at the end of the pod did anybody fail so dismally that they got 200 points probably Steve I'd have got close, I think. Most likely. This email comes from Max Pennyfather. Hi, guys. Long-time listener, first-time corresponder. I felt compelled to get in touch in relation to your recent semantic shifting of the word buffalo Excellent. in regards to your more regular correspondence. If you're just joining us, buffalo is the designation that we give to those people arbitrarily chosen as friends of the pod. This is bestowed at the whim of the judges' panel. I am the judge. There is no panel. I began listening to the pod, says Max, a year ago or so whilst in Southeast Asia. It was during this time I learned that a colloquialism in Thailand was to call someone they perceived as an idiot a buffalo. And then he says, don't ask how I learned this in brackets. Upon inquiring why it was, it transpired it was due to the belief that water buffaloes common to the region can be very easily led and directed by way of the slightest of shepherding via their nose ring. This is, of course, in stark contrast to a very knowledgeable and free-thinking regular correspondence. I just thought I should let you know in case you had experienced an unexpected and previously unexplained drop-in listenership from that particular region of the world. Anyway, keep up the good work. Future set piece menu and probable current Southeast Asian buffalo max. Yeah, but the thing is, so A, water buffalo, different type of buffalo, totally different buffalo game. Different beast. And B, <laughs> but it's not that bloody easy getting the nose ring in. Might be easier to lead them once you got the nose ring in, but I bet they don't come out that way, do they? With a nose ring, you've got to get it in. I bet that's not, that is not an easy job. I'd, I'd stun them first before would, you try to you? put a ring through their nose. I, yeah, How? taking on a, a fully grown <laughs> water buffalo. How would you stun it um, with a fact? I'd probably give it, I'd probably talk it into submission. Yeah, okay. Which tends to be the way that I, I deal would you, with this it, type of situation. Actually, funnily enough, we can ask Nikki about that. Yeah, <laughs> would you, would, no, no, not would, interested. Would you explain why outswinning tourners are better than... In, no, in-swinning tourners are better than outswinning I don't tourners. want to start... If, if we start on that, we're probably going to come to blows. Mm. And Water Buffalo, I would imagine, are already listening to Set Piece Menu, so they would have already been... Mm. Oh, actually, when, when a corner is scored from an... Inch, which one was recently? I punched the air as I explained brilliantly <laughs> why it works. That is who Chinch... Chinch doesn't have a club. He just generally supports in-swinning corners. Yes. Someone at the door, Chinch. Oh, yeah, look, there's oh, yeah. a man with a, a big mop and a huge... It's not a mop, bucket. Steve. That's a brush, and that's a window cleaner, yeah. I think. So it's a Do you, yes. is, is he approaching? Un he is. He is. He's going uninvited. To, or I is he think he's going to clean. This is awkward. I don't think he's a rogue window cleaner that just starts a job and then insists you pay him. I'm sure that's how a lot of that. That is exactly how a Woodford, rogue window cleaner Woodford would behave. does not work like that. That's how all window cleaners operate, isn't it? That's what I thought. Yeah. But, but they clean Woodford. your windows and then say, right, I've cleaned your windows. Can I have yeah. some money? Not yeah, saying, no, shall yeah. I clean your windows? No, or I'll they, pay you, then I'll do it. Then I mean, I'm assuming we're talking this, but then they tend to knock on the door and say, do you want your your windows look dirty. No, but there are, there are regular window cleaners, so okay. they just get on with the job. You've, you've already entered into some sort of contractual you know, agreement. Jed and Roger, they're not going to mess about. They're just going to get the ladders up Is that there Roger or Jed? That's Jed. Uh, That's obviously I'm Jed. I'm sure. One's My a window man. cleaner's called Jed. Is that, is that oh. sort of like 
part of the, the prof- is it is like there a, a professional cabal? name? It's a cabal. <laughs> and by the way, Rory, that's all staying in. Really? But at this point, I will say that's enough of that. Yes. Let the poor man do his job. Uh, at Set Piece Menu is how you get in touch at Twitter. Setpiecemenu at gmail.com. And don't forget, we are now on TuneIn if that is your preferred podcast provider. So what shall we talk about today? Something thought through and very well planned, I would imagine. We come to you in a week following the end of the Premier League season. So in a very US cable news kind of way, let's ask what we've learned over the last nine months with this very special and likely only ever edition of Soccer Hot Takes and Takeaways. It chimes rather nicely with the fact that we're going to find out later that none of us really knew what was going to happen this season. Our Premier League Predictions League positions will prove that. But let's all be knowledgeable after the fact and make it look like we knew all along that Manchester City were going to reach 100 points. Burnley would finish seventh and for only the third time in Premier League history, all three promoted teams would stay up. So who's going to be the first to say, I didn't tell you so? Do you want me to start? I think I thought that all three promoted teams... No, no. clearly no. <laughs> had, ...had a shot. I, I'm not that surprised that they've all stayed up. Huddersfield, obviously, is the one that you would expect pro- to go down, but I'm not that, that surprised. That, right there, plays into the point that I was probably going to highlight. We'll go on, then. Manchester City. <laughs> he relinquishes yes. the honour with Get such with grace. You've Get on with the it. baton. Get on with it. From the bottom From of the, the table third leg, to the very top. You've handed the baton to Usain Bolt, and I will run with it. Now... Man City, 100 points, blindingly good season. Are we, what's looking at them, are we losing, are we losing the, the, the fact that the rest of the Premier League is pants? Those three teams that have come up from the Championship mm. have stayed up relatively comfortably. Mm-hmm. And is that because a lot of the Premier League is pants? Yes. That's, I think that is the... the are we getting blinded don't we, don't we talk by about the that every season? Particularly when one team wins it. It's when Leicester won it, for example, didn't we say, well, one of the reasons that Leicester won it is because everybody else is so rubbish. I, no, I didn't that, say that. The conversation that year was that the, the, the bid six, in inverted commas, with probably the exception of Tottenham, had all managed to get themselves into crisis at the same time. Mm. So that was the, the, the conversation that year was that the elite had, started, had faded a bit. I think what, what has become abundantly clear this year is that below... Certainly Arsenal, but to be honest, possibly Arsenal. I was going to say, it's not just the top six, everyone else. It's actually it is, some it, of the top six. It is six. the top five yeah. and then the others, if you talk mathematically. Yeah. If you and and the then table. you'd say that, that Chelsea have had a disappointing season, but still, you know, they've got 70 points. That's not a bad return. Mm. Um, everyone above that, I think, has had a good season. I think you have to say they've all had a good season. Um, for varying values are good. Burnley have done well. but Ex- Exceptionally well. Up. Yeah, again, again, I'm not, not, not trying to run Burnley down or the pro- promoted teams from staying up because they've worked incredibly hard. But does that kind? Of, not saying I want Burnley and the relegated and the, the pro- promoted teams to finish in the no. bottom four. But what does that say? You know, teams that have struggled this season. Well, that says a lot about several several points that I was going to raise later excellent, on. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> it's, it's Let's so try much. and organise ourselves slightly better than the first three and a half minutes of this conversation. <laughs> it's not so much what have we learned. It's just that this season has proved something that we suspected. Yeah. That the top six are now so much better than everybody but else. Are they so they, that's what I'm saying. You, you you say maybe Liverpool, Tottenham, but Chelsea, Arsenal. I know there's stuff going on. A lot was made of the fact that Arsenal finished 37 points behind Manchester City in the, the Premier League table as a sort of demonstration. Actually, there was a gulf opening up there. But it, the gap between sixth and the bottom three is actually getting larger mm. as a general rule year on year. So yes, Arsenal might have fallen further behind top spot than they might have liked. But increasingly, there is a bigger gap between the relegated teams and those finishing in the European positions. So it shows you the whole thing is getting stretched out. Yeah. Well, I think if you look at the table, I had this conversation with my dad the other day uh, as we were doing some gardening. No, known football statistician. Known football Mr. statistician, Smith. Mr. Smith. And he's going to do some, some research into this. And often when my dad says that, I think that's brilliant because I might be able to use that for work. But then... Um, <laughs> Uh, then I remember that it takes my dad about nine months to do anything. So in Is that why you're helping with the gardening? March 2019, we're going to have some pretty interesting answers about this Great. subject. The, um, no, the, he made the point, he's a Leicester fan, he made the point that Leicester were ninth with 44 points, I think, before the end of the season. I believe they still are, in fact. Mm. And that 44 no, points... Ninth 47 points ninth 47. is how Leicester finished. 44 points is just avoiding relegation most years. You know, you th- if you think of the Tony Pulis mark as being... The Pulis line is at, is 40 points. Yes. And, and Southampton 17th got 36. Exactly. So you could have stayed up with 34 points because Swans only got 33, which is incredibly low. There's low, those teams that got 41, on the final day there were I think four teams that could finish 10th and they, they all had 41 points. And eventually Newcastle did it. 41 points is 
narrow is is avoiding relegation the week before the week before the end of the season. You know, it's it's kind of oh they've just they've just got away with it. That's now mid table, and I can't quite think of how to phrase this. Maybe our, our mathematician friend might be able to help with this one as well. That suggests to me that the top six are taking more of the available points, yeah. and that's the problem. And then all the others are kind of much of much of a muchness. So they're drawn with each other. Well, you, you can, for example, mo- most teams tend to win the Premier League with mid eighties points. Mm. You can take another fifteen and just add, add them onto Manchester City to start with. Yeah. And if you're taking fifteen away from those mid-table sides, that those those points are worth more to them than they are to Manchester yeah. City. Uh, allow me to play the role of mathematician. Okay. I've, <laughs> I've had far too much time on my hands on the train this morning <laughs> to think about this because I'm starting to think that that forty-point barrier thing to stay up is a myth. Yeah. Mm. When was the last time you needed 40 points to stay up? Mm. It was 2011. Is that right? All yeah. stayed up yeah. with 40 points in 20. So it is seven years mm. since you have needed that magical what, number what to actually stay in the top flight. Where's your Pulis line now? My Pulis line? The Pulis line is yeah, the... So is well, the well, do- it's still you know, on the edge of the penalty area. The, line. <laughs> the, the dotted so. line on the table on, when it's on telly or in the newspapers, that is, that is officially known as the it's Pulis line. It's like the footballing line. Maginot line. It's like the Maginot line. The Pulis yeah. line. I think 36, 37? It's like the Maginot line, but actually quite effective, which the Maginot yeah. line famously was Because it only faced one way, didn't it? So once they bypassed it, they couldn't turn the guns around. Is that true? Uh, the problem with the Maginot line was that it only went a certain distance until oh, so the Germans okay. just went through Belgium. <sighs> Clever. So Furiously you're now Google's looking at more like 36, 37 <laughs> points as being, you know, maybe 38 right. if you're being conservative as being the safety point. So I, I thought, well, how many points are the bottom three sides then accumulating? So in that season in 2011 where you did need 40 mm. points to stay up, the bottom three between them accrued over 100 points, 111 points. Is that in right? 2018, that number is 97 points. So you mm-hmm. could put together the three teams that finished in the relegation places in the Premier League and they still would have only had enough points to finish second in the table mm. accumulatively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that just shows you that the, the, the top are... Yeah, to, to, it basically proves the point that you were making, yeah. Roy, that the, the top teams are hoovering up many more points than they ever used to. So in that season, that 2011 season, when you needed 40 points to stay up, Arsenal finished fourth with 68 points that would only be good enough for sixth in the 2018 Well, that's the other thing, that if you look at the top five, certainly, and Arsenal kind of faded in a way that I don't think we really expected, and I don't think it should be taken as standard, and I doubt Arsenal will get a lot more points next year. They might not finish in the top four, but they will get more points. 63 but was Arsenal's total. But the bearing top in mind that they, they had no points away from home in the whole of 2018 until, until Huddersfield. Huddersfield yeah. yeah. The, um, oh, Gade impression is its absolute best. <laughs> the... Um, the but if you if you look at the points totals that they've all got, it's not long ago since. I mean, it takes obviously cities is ridiculous. United would win the title with with what with what United got, pretty, you know, quite quite a few years in the Premier League era. Yeah, s- some sometimes probably less than half or half or less and, than half. And the others, Liverpool and Spurs, and to an extent Chelsea would have mounted a title challenge. That would have been a proper title, and certainly until the last Liverpool kind of switched off as soon as the Champions League quarterfinals came around, they started dropping points. Spurs had a bit of a wobble as well. But they were on track to you know, potentially get up towards 80 points, which is, which is potentially, ti- not maybe not title winning form, but title contending form. So one takeaway has to be that this, the effect of this Man City team has been to raise the bar of what it takes to win the league. You're, gonna need, you, you're no longer going to be able to sort of lose three, draw five, draw six, and, and win the league because you're going to have to what City have lost twice and drawn about four? Four, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And that's it. And, you, and the mathematics suggests that there only are so many points available. Yeah. So if somebody's hoovering them all up or a bunch of teams, a cabal, as we yeah. mentioned. Well, that's what I was going to say. If that's happening, which clearly is happening, does that mean then you're looking at 12 or more teams are going to have to change the way that they approach because they're going to only be a less number of points for them to fight for? So does that mean they're going to have to change their style of football I think to, to be even more conservative, to say, well, he cannot afford to lose games no. against each other or no. go the other way? I think it's the opposite. I think, I think what will happen, and what has happened already, is that those, the bottom 12 are saying we don't want to lose. So if you watch a lot of the, those games, yeah. they're, they're, they're really bad. The standard is low. There is no, there's very little adventure or ambition apart from certain teams like Bournemouth. Generally, the idea is let's not lose this game, let's try and knit a win. I, th- I wonder if, if you're thinking, right, 36 points keeps us up, that's 12 wins. If you're actually better saying, 
right, death or glory, let's go for that's it. That's what Huddersfield, I'm not saying at the, at the end of the season, that kept them up. It was two draws, really, that kept but them that up. Yeah, but they're a team but defending always very say, well. Yeah, but they're a team games. that always say, we will risk losing the game trying to win it. That was the mentality yeah. they took from the Championship to the Premier League. And some of the wins that they had was probably the difference between them staying up or going I don't, down. I don't think draws are worth as much for the bottom 12 anymore. That's what I would say. Mm. Although, it, well, see Southampton, who drew 15 of yeah, their games yeah. and nearly got relegated. Yeah, yeah. Although it did, it did sort of appear that at the start of the season, Maurizio Pellegrino, who was in charge of Southampton at that time, was trying to stay up by drawing every game 1-1. Well, the, it, the attitude it, was almost, I am going to approach every single match exactly the same, whoever we're playing, because a point a game will be enough to survive it. And he was proved, right. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that eventually. Yeah, 38 points. There you go. Keeps you up. But the thing, if, you, if you're talking about the, the, the teams that are going to attempt to get to 40 points, regardless of whether that's a Maginot, mm. Pulis line, <laughs> imagine those two uh, having a conversation. But they, they would, wouldn't they play differently against those teams that are expected to lose against and try and maximise their opportunity to get points against then the teams that are damage, around them? It's like damage limitation so it becomes. Like Swansea when they went to Man City. It was like, not get beaten 10. But Huddersfield were brilliant against... Manchester City and Chelsea defending really, really yeah, well in both yeah. those games. Yeah. Those, crucially, were the points that kept them up yeah. because they came at that time of the season. But you said that, Chinch, that they will play much more progressively against other teams. Mm. So that is a combination that has worked. So should others follow that? Or well, that, well, should you just defend fair. the whole time and do a Pellegrino and get I suppose, I suppose they're once. in a different situation having got promoted unexpectedly. They can think, well, we can pretty much do it. Our fans mm. won't be that upset if we did get relegated. We'll stick to what we've done to get us into this division. But other teams who, like West Ham and Southampton really need to stay in the Premier League for many different reasons, financial probably more than anything else. They're not going to do what Huddersfield did at the Etihad and press Swansea. What, what, what did they do? They sat off and tried to defend. They were two down within 10 minutes, yeah. lost five. And it was as if they were saying, look, let's just not lose 10 because in terms of goal difference, that might keep... It didn't work in the end anyway. But that's the two different approaches. And maybe more teams will go along the road of Swansea than Huddersfield in playing the big teams it's whether they do it against the teams in and around them that it's very interesting because that's the bulk of the Premier League season isn't it it's yeah. not when the top teams play everybody and, and it's everybody else playing everybody different else different for the top to the top teams try and make sure they get we've, we've spoken about this before try and get wins against home and away against the bottom yes. 10 yeah. and in doing that you have the basis for a very good well, that was Alex Ferguson's always that's he, he, he wouldn't worry do. too much about the, the games against the top 6 it was beating everybody else home and away if you're playing 20 games and getting 60 points yeah. and you need 85 to win the league yeah. you know that's, that's pretty good it doesn't yeah. really matter about those big ones but mm. So does that is that something that will have to be morphed by other teams? Will they adopt that? Will but they if, say this is the way to go? If you look at what's happened, that's that's another thing that we can we can definitely say this season that it, it's not a new thing, but it is a it's become much more pronounced this year. The most indicative game of the season was Newcastle at home to City, where Newcastle didn't try and win. Basically, thank you very much. And uh, we're saying thank you oh, for what is an incredible. Yeah, ever so slightly distracted by the arrival of the main course. This is oh. the, um, this is prawn thank and you, chorizo tagliatelle. Yeah, but disappointing. Linguini. Linguini. Disappointing to an extent. Just Nicky's clearly got this from a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Who knew? Hasn't. Who knew Deliveroo was uh, was on <laughs> just around the corner? Uh, that's amazing. Thank you very You're much. You're very Nicky. fortunate. Your face was not slapped and your headphones went west there. Went Say west. Deliveroo in front of my wife. <laughs> or just eat. Is that your safe oh, word? Oh, you. Is that, that your safe word? There. <laughs> my safe word. <laughs> my culinary safe word. Yeah. <laughs> if I need to get out and get out quick, I just insult the chef. Um, Rory, you were saying about that. Yeah, this new, is something that we have learned from Newcastle Man City. Was about it, Newcastle. this isn't a new thing that the that the this pragmatism that the, the, the bottom fourteen effectively are are saying anything we get from the top six is. A totally unexpected bonus, but it has become much more pronounced, and we've seen this year, particularly against City, but against Liverpool and Spurs as well. Teams saying the only way we get a draw here is if we if we get lucky. We're going to stand off. We'll we'll see how long we can hold out. We're not going to try and attack, and maybe if we take it to the last 10-15 minutes, we might get a corner, and that seems to be the game plan. That that will become a lot more because the gap is so big. But that will become not, a lot more frequent. That's not a new game plan, is it? That you, I would imagine that no, but a the, lot of the people scale have of that. the scale of it is the scale of that Newcastle Man City thing was the quite eye catching of it, isn't it? The Swansea and, game and the fact they're doing it at home, as opposed to doing it away. Yeah, they've always done it away, but doing it at home is is relatively new. But another thing that we've learned this season that ties into that that pragmatism thing and and picking and choosing where you pick up your points is that whilst an awful lot of Premier League football fans, and I'm thinking in, in particular at the moment of the likes of Everton and West Ham, whilst they accept that in all likelihood they're going to finish outside the top six, that they're going to be mid-table teams, 
that if they are going to embrace that fact, they expect to be entertained yeah. along the way. Both of those clubs bought in managers during the course of the season. Those managers uh, both improved those clubs' positions to the tune of five places or the best part of £10 million worth of prize money. Yet how disgruntled have those supporters proved to be by the, the quality or the entertainment value of the football that they're, they're watching. Mm. So the managers have come in, done what was asked of them, yes. improved the club's position, and the fans still aren't happy. But yeah. it's not, that's, that, that's because within the futility of being in a league that you're not going to win and not going to finish in the top four of and not, if probably not finish in the top seven of, or one of you might finish in the top seven of, what is the point in any of it if you're not having fun? Exactly. Those teams, it's incumbent on the managers to play good football because it's better for those teams to lose 5-4 yeah. to an extent than win 1-0 because they're not going to you know if, you don't, if your expectation is to finish somewhere between 8th and 15th the fans don't really care about the league position there might be a bit of pride in finishing top half but you'd much rather go every week and watch good football even if you don't always win and it's risky than go and watch safety first Sam Allardyce 1-0 win hooray we finished 8th who cares well, you mentioned, of, you mentioned of late not winning 1-0 yeah, yeah. you yeah. mentioned Sam Allardyce there. I spoke to a lot of Everton fans I talked to them they say right he's had his time he's done his job and we, we appreciate that he's done his job we need a change now and I thought what they were going to say is because we, we're Everton we should be finishing the top 6 no we want to play football the Everton way and get back to the wherever that takes us we will accept so I thought football fans, it is all about the top six because people talk about it so much and the size of the clubs and the traditions, the histories. Everton want to play the football that they've seen. And maybe it's, you know, not going to see the football Everton played in the 80s and how brilliant they were. Dogs That's, of War. It has on, changed. On Dogs to, of War. Oh, won't see 1995 ever again. On to Duncan Ferguson's head. That was just a one-off, you know. It was brilliant, but it was a one-off. But you can't it's expect you were to see that the rest these of the days. Time. But they, that is actively, <laughs> and I, I did feel they were going to say it is all about top six, and it isn't. It's what Steve was saying, getting back to the principles of what that club is all about. So whilst we've discussed that it now does look like it's possible to stay up by drawing every game, I think a majority of football fans would rather see their team win two and lose two mm -hmm. out of every four. Because not only do you get more points, but at least once a fortnight you get to celebrate a victory. And that's got to be what it's all about. It's the having fun. It's the sense, of, it's the sense that you're, you're, I think what fans want primarily is trophies. And I think, once they, I think there is now an acceptance amongst the fans of a lot of clubs that they're not, they're not going to get trophies. So what you want after that is wins. And increasingly, I think there's a recognition that you're not going to get that many wins either. So what you want is to feel as though you, your your team stands for something. Yes. And something admirable, which is good football, bringing young players through, you know, having something special about them, something that the, that the team is. And there's too many of those clubs that haven't got anything like that. And we've actually seen this year three teams that did have a distinct identity get relegated, partly, and there's a brilliant piece by Johnny Lou in The Independent about this, partly because they completely lost sight of what their identity was. They started to change. He uses the line that they just became wagons for agents to, to, to hitch their wares to. Yeah. And that's true of West Brom, Stoke and, and Swansea. And I think what, what, what maybe we've seen across the year looking at it as a whole is that clubs need to have... You need to have a plan. You need to have an identity. You need to be something, not just another Premier League team. Otherwise, your fans will get annoyed. And at some point, you will get caught out. Well, this, I'm just thinking, is that what we've learned then from this season? The fans want something different. They want to be entertained and come what may with that. Whereas coaches and maybe clubs are far more pragmatic and say, well, it's not about entertaining our fans. It's about staying in the league and doing whatever is necessary. So is, is there a kind of a... A disparity between what fans there, yeah. want and the clubs and coaches, are how they're actually actively going about and planning the season. So have we learned that the, the, the fix-it manager doesn't work on either front? Because normally the fix-it manager works because they, they save your team from relegation. So the club hierarchy say, you know, regardless of what football you've been watching, you are pleased that this has happened, fan base, so we made the right decision. Well, even in hiring those fix-it managers this season, we've seen it with... Um, probably only Roy Hodgson and Mark Hughes latterly that it's worked. Even with Sam Allardyce and David Moyes, who took those teams away from the relegation zone, there seems to be a feeling of negativity about the kind of football that they've seen uh, over the last few months. With Alan Pardew, of course, it went completely wrong. Mm. So are we, are we seeing now that clubs will maybe think, because I, can't, I don't want to deal with this fan unrest, I don't want to deal with constant negativity, are they going to not mid-season hire those fix-it managers to try and get themselves out of an early season pickle? Only two of the clubs who made managerial changes ended up with fewer points per game after they made the change than they had before it. Stoke is one, I'm pretty sure Swansea 
is the other. So the gym. So yeah, you're right. The the, the fix it manager all, might all not. All three have relegated s- clubs change their manager. Yeah, but lots of clubs in the Premier League changed their manager during the season. Only two had fewer points per game afterwards. So, so most of them have made a difference. Yeah, in so the most of them have improved. So, it's going to carry on. so yeah, although although not everybody has been satisfied in terms of the football they've seen, the result has justified the but, change. But will they be satisfied by that? They might not not have been satisfied by the football they've seen, but will they be satisfied by the end result? Yeah, because well, they're the, 200 million quid better yeah, off. Yeah, that's, that's the problem, that the clubs and the fans essentially want different things. So are we saying to West Ham and Everton fans, suck it up, suck it up, yeah. quit your complaining? Mm-hmm. And because they, they will say, well, no, I've got no, every no, no. right to complain because I want to see you out of football. I I'm, I'm, we've, we've spoken so many times about the fact that people want to see entertaining football, even if it means to the detriment of their league position. I don't think the fans have to suck it up. I don't think you, the, the, the fans aren't wrong. The fans, I think, are right. And the the boards, if anything, are wrong. But equally, it's obvious why the boards think what, what yeah. they do. So you, you, that tension will continue to exist. It might get slightly more sort of deep-seated, but it's, it's to an extent, natural. I suppose if you're running a business and then you're trying to entertain as well, you can understand why the clubs run themselves in the way that they do. They're looking to stay in the league to maximise their earning potential. Entertainment then, by the time you get to December, into the new year, if you're really struggling, that tends to think, right, we've got to, put that, we've got to save ourselves here. Forget mm. about the fa- Not forget about the fans, but actually that becomes secondary importance to actually this club, this business, staying alive and staying afloat. So here's one of the other, and it kind of dovetails on what you were saying about the, the relegated teams a moment ago, Rory, is that have these teams failed? These are two of the three have never been relegated from the Premier League since they were promoted. That's seven seasons for Swans, I think 10 for Stoke. Mm-hmm. So two of the three who have received great plaudits for their either the, the way that they play their football and the way they structure their club, or alternatively, the way, their stickability, if you like. Mm-hmm. They're outperforming their means. We've talked about success on set-piece menu and saying, what is managerial success? It is outperforming your means or your circumstances. Well, Stoke played the Pulis way, stayed up. Stoke decided to try and change the way that they uh, recruited, the way that they played. Partly Pulis the left. from support, supporters. Exactly. And they, they brought in a lot of players who both Charlie Adam and Jack Butland in recent days have accused essentially of being freeloaders. So they changed their way to try and be more progressive. It's not worked. Um, admittedly, not immediately it hasn't worked. It's not worked after a period of time. Southampton nearly got relegated after attempting to continually recruit to fill holes that yeah. have been left by players leaving, but they again have tried to do it in a way that they think is consistent with everything that has come before over the last five to ten years. But pro- these projects run out of steam. And two out of three of those clubs that we mentioned have been relegated. So is this a lesson to clubs who do have a way or a project that they should think about constantly trying to change it so they're aware of the, the, the circumstances around them yeah, because otherwise t- they'll eventually fall away. There's two things. One is that, that they they lost sight of their... In fact, there's probably three things. There's three things. There's the fact, as we said, that they lost sight of their, of their identity, that Swansea became just another Premier League team. Swansea haven't played the Swansea way for three years. Stoke haven't played the Stoke way, which was altogether less attractive than the Swansea way for quite a long time because they've been, they've been in this weird process of change where they can't ever quite bring themselves away bring themselves to actually change but they, they, they kind of want to um, same with West Brom West Brom kind of just became a nothing team it had lots of this sort of hodgepodge of players this this hodgepodge of styles it didn't really seem to know what they wanted and to Alan do and Alan Pardew and Alan Pardew in charge so one is that if you if you lose sight of what you are you will suffer one is that if you do what you do badly you will suffer and that's what happened with Southampton that Southampton's plan is still sound but it feels they've, like your margin for error they've just made the, but is, just, is diminishing yeah. Southampton, yeah, yeah. Southampton just made wrong decisions and the problem there similar at Swansea was that they they compounded the wrong decision by fixing it in the wrong way again and again and again and that's what caught them out but then the most important one is that if you stop moving if you if you become content with what you are then other people will catch you up too that's self-regarding so Southampton us, we're fine we've yeah. got a way of doing things we're gonna no, nobody we're, we're Southampton get Swansea Stoke and West Brom wanted to do what they did to, to continue being what they were it doesn't work like that you have to want you have to continually aspire to be better because there are teams coming up and Wolves it'll be Wolves and whoever comes up through the playoffs probably I, I think Cardiff probably limited in what they, they might become but Wolves certainly Wolves are not coming into the Premier League to try and finish 17th Wolves, Wolves will be looking at the Premier League thinking we can finish top 10 straight away George do you have any players mm. and the, <laughs> it's the same with teams like Bournemouth and Watford mm. 
who you know we, we we do overlook, but they've come up and they've been like, well, we can we don't have to worry about finishing seventeenth anymore. We are going to keep on growing, and and getting better. And all of these slightly bigger clubs who've been around for five, six, seven years. And I wonder if that's that's the dangerous point, you know, after five, six, seven years in the Premier League, if that's when you you can't help but kind of develop, develop, yeah, like an institutional complacency that everything's fine, we are a Premier League team now, we don't need to excel. You can't bask in the triumph of what you've achieved. I think Southampton were perhaps guilty of, of feeling like they were Midas mm. and took a season or 18 months off from making the right decisions because yeah. they thought every decision they made was the right one. Mm. And, if, and if you're not moving forward, you're, you're drifting backwards because there's those clubs coming up have got determination with them. They've got momentum. They've got a point to prove. Yeah. And those might, with the margins being so fine between 7th and 18th, mm. those are the tiny little details that might see you clawing but, your way up the table at the expense of a bigger club. The margin being so fine is between 10th in the Premier League and 10th in the Championship. There is no vast difference. Mm. They are all... Rough, they are all much of a muchness. It's like Alex Ferguson, isn't it? When at the top of his game, he said, "You've got to, is it run to stand still?" Mm. You two said that on Joshua's tree. You two said that. Who on, said on it Joshua first? Tree. Well, you two, Joshua tree. What was that? Eighty-four. So Bono. I think, I think uh, Bono, Bono said it. Bono could see, Julia, see it. how the Premier League was going to pan but out. That's because he's got Europe's largest collection of hatchbacks. He absolutely has. Yes, he has. <laughs> that is very true. You're going to have to explain that. That's the that's partridge, a, a partridge, partridge reference. Yeah. Sorry, it was Rattle and Hum. It wasn't uh, Joshua Tree. Right. Apologies. Apologies. Uh, 1987. Anyway, so whether it was speaking, whether it was Sir Alex or Bono, <laughs> I don't know all Partridge references as well as you know them. You don't remember the, the where, where he pretends that he knows. He takes Sonia, doesn't he, to, yeah, to, to, to meet Bono, to and he a takes her to home. a stately home, and uh, there's, and there's a car park. And yeah. Tony says, "Why has he got so many cars?" And he goes, "Oh, well, he's actually got Europe's largest collection of hatchbacks." He's mentally ill. <laughs> anyway, I like yeah, I've so let you down personally. That's what you have a little bit, yeah. You can't. I'm presuming you can maybe have a philosophy, but even that philosophy has to change and morph over time as maybe the league that's really interesting though, but that's, that, that 2011 stat the 40 point that everybody I wonder how I presume the clubs are aware of this is that that is no longer the benchmark to stay in the Premier League it has all changed so surely they must look at all this and how the, the league pans out and points and everything else and they must say right at the start of a season what do we really need to do but to survive can I just I'm going to peer into my crystal ball and that there'll be a stage, maybe late winter, early spring mm. in the 2018-29 season. Andrew Hinchcliffe will be in the Sky Sports studio with mm. Rob Watton. Mm. They'll have a massive blown up bottom half of the Premier League table. Mm. And you'll all be standing around worthily looking at it going, I think might not quite need 40 points to stay up this season as though it's a new revelation because it, it comes up every year. Yeah. Oh, I think, do you know what? I think 37 points might be enough this year. No, it's been enough every year for yes. the last six years. Yes. But then 40, 40, I guess, becomes useful as it's a round number and B, because it means you've not been yeah, yeah, involved. Yeah. There was that, that one time, was it Was it West Ham went down with 42 points mm. once? I can't remember. There was a team that went down with 42 points, but that is completely anomalous. Did you see Tony Dale's advice to West Ham? On, on Sky. Did it have swear words in it? No, it was, oh. uh, it was a four-point plan. It was yeah. a point of manager, a point of director of football, s- sign some players, uh, develop a style of play. Uh, that's <laughs> where has he, where's he got that from? I don't know, but it's, it's genius. Has he been listening to Rattle and Hum? <laughs> you, you've just got to run to stand still. That has still. blown my tiny mind. It really has. Have we got time for us to uh, move on to another thing that we've uh, Yes, we have. In fact, I would like us to, even if we didn't have time. Yeah, but that, that, that whole section's included like seven things we've learned. It's been, it's been fine. Um, is it getting content. harder to combine runs in multiple competitions? Mm. Have we seen, for example, Liverpool? They've wowed us with their football this season. They've got to the Champions League final. A phenomenal achievement. Mm-hmm. They've had the Premier League's leading goal scorer. They spent 75 million quid solving their defensive problems to by Virgil van Dijk. And they have finished in exactly the same position as they did a year previously with one point fewer. Which is partly because from about April onwards, Liverpool have switched off in the league because they've got the Champions League to think about. So I think I, exactly, so I'm not, I'm not criticising no. them for their, what's happened to them in the Premier League. It's just it's a demonstration of seemingly the progress that they have made is not reflected by what's happened in the Premier League because they've had that run deep in yeah. the Champions League. What I would say is, I think you're right. I think you are broadly right that you maybe now can't. It's, it's re- because the pace is so high that the, the, the top six yeah. set, because they're getting more points, because the bottom 14 are worse and all that. 
you can't take you can't drop as many points in the Premier League, so you're more likely to fall away. But Liverpool are a particularly pronounced example of it because they have a relatively small squad anyway. They sold Coutinho in January, and they then had three midfielders injured. So I think that. Uh, it would surprise me if Liverpool had the same run in Europe to the semi-finals again next year. So they narrowed their focus to well, to what they could. They couldn't achieve. make. They, yeah, couldn't, they couldn't make couldn't changes. Two, There's yeah. no. There was no. There were no. There were no changes to make. But then, okay, let's use the example of Manchester City instead. Huge depth to their squad because mm. of the amount of money they spent in the last two or three transfer windows. Record points all in the Premier League. Record wins. A huge margin of victory to the team that finished second. It's it's been a scintillating they season the league for Cup. them. They won the League Cup yep. in February, yep. but they were knocked out of the FA Cup by third a third tier team, yep. and they were knocked out in the quarterfinals of, of the Champions League. So despite blowing everybody away in the Premier League, they have not been able to go deep in the two other major competitions that they were involved. Does, does in. any team have the luxury of being able to compete? In th- let alone four, three competitions. No matter how good your squad is, luck must play a part as well. But well, luck would play a part in moments of knockout football. Yeah, they won't, they won't necessarily in the league so much because you've got opportunity to make amends. But for example, Delft being sent off at Wigan played yeah. a, played a large part. Yeah. City fans will tell you it's refereeing decisions that at crucial moments during the Liverpool mm-hmm. tie, which I don't personally agree with, but they will say that that's part of it. And Pep Guardiola has always said it's almost impossible to do this unbeaten or quadruple because there are moments in games, in knockout games, where you can be on the right or wrong end of a decision. You could be on the right or wrong end of a red card. You could be on the right or wrong end of a penalty. And those matters affect the next 20 minutes. And that might be it. You might be out after those 20 minutes. But it's easy, it's easy to win a cup competition. As we found with Everton in the mid nineties, excellent <laughs> cup run and uh, FA Cup. When you say it's really hard to win it, and yeah. you, you s- no, it's easy to win a cup competition summit. because you only have to peak every fourth or that's fifth true, game. But by by the same token, those are the knockout games where you can be affected by something that is outside or more outside. Well, of Everton your certainly weren't. Everton certainly weren't. It was the mental strength of of the left wing back. <laughs> I think that really saw them through. I think the diff- the difficulty is as well that with a cup competition, it, you're so reliant on things like the draw. So if City had got Roma in the quarterfinals we wouldn't be having this conversation because they'd have got through, most likely. And, th- th- you know, they might, have done, they might have run out in the semis, they might have won the semi or whatever. But you, you're, t- you're kind of focusing on the... If they'd not, if that, it sounds stupid, but if they'd, not drawn, if they'd drawn Widden at home, not Widden away, in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, they'd have got through. So it's difficult to, t- to, take any, to make any major conclusions, I think, on any cup competition. But what I think is true is I wonder whether the Champions League is becoming an, an ever more separate discipline to the domestic leagues. Yeah, definitely. That, it's, that there are teams... And we spoke about Real Madrid last week. Yeah, and, Real are a great example. We did mention Liverpool as well in, in dispatches for that same reason. But, but I wonder whether... And even, even Roma. Roma go, going so far in the Champions League is, this year was is odd because they're, they're adrift of the... You know, obviously, Juve won the title by how many points and Roma, Roma were not the nearest contenders. So does it help them with Juventus dominating, City dominating? They can say, well, clearly our fans know we're not going to be chasing. So you yeah. can then yeah. ease the PR, off a little the bit. PR say, is easy sell, isn't it? So Liverpool's success... Okay, they beat Man City, but Liverpool's success in the Champions League has it helped that City have been the title's been over for six months? Yeah, I think, I and think they said actually our fans are not daft enough to say we're going to we're going to compete and try and catch City, win the Champions League for Liverpool. This has been a, an incredible season. I they don't really care how many points City win the title. That's by. a really good point. That that y- y- you maybe if you have to be there's like, there's maybe a sweet spot where you can't win the lead because Bayern or Juve or City or or Barca or whoever or PSG are going to win the lead. But you're also relatively comfortable in achieving your your sort of baseline domestic aim. So Roma have been in and around the competition for to finish in the top four all year. They 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 wouldn't have worried, I think, about losing too much ground to Inter or Lazio at any point. Um, Liverpool, by the time the quarterfinals came round, were I think 10, 12, 10 points clear of Chelsea, and must have known they kind of had a margin for error in the lead. The Wenger line, the Wenger line, the Wenger line, and the Pulis line. Yes, <laughs> excellent. Uh, the that they were above the vendor line and likely to stay there. And obviously they did, they did then drop quite a few points and it, it got a bit closer than it needed to be, but they, they, they seem to know they had a margin for error. And again, Liverpool have had a lot of injuries to a relatively small squad. But I do think that we, you now get teams who can say from February, right, let's go for the Champions League, in a way that the team that's top of the league, even if they're a superpower, can't. probably can't. Mm. They, they, they want to get the lead sewn up first and foremost and that maybe takes away their focus a little bit and so maybe Steve's right maybe you can't split your focus anymore you either have to say right we are going to win the league or we are going to go out all guns blazing for the Champions League but you make that you make that decision in February 
Yeah, I think that's probably... You don't have to make that decision until February because all the, all the Premier League teams should get through their groups without having to prioritise the Champions League to get through. Yeah, although it can, it can massively influence your form, obviously, because it, 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 uh, it makes your schedule More normally much. in the Europa League, that just because of the scheduling issues, yeah. that, that are complaining yeah. about whether they're, whether they're true or not, I don't But know. come next season, say City won the Premier League title by 10 points mm. and the League Cup, but got knocked, knocked out the Champions League. Another English team won the Champions League. Would City fans view that as better than a team winning the Champions League alone? Well, to be honest, given that I've, my Twitter timeline has recently been filled with a debate between a small minority of Liverpool fans and a small minority of Spurs fans debating about whether it's better to finish third in the Premier League or finish fourth in the Premier League and get to the Champions League final. I, 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 would I can assume understand why that debate has been raging between those two groups of fans. But <laughs> I mean, it's, it's an inherently stupid... I mean, I, I have a horse in the race, so I'm not entirely sure I'm allowed to comment no, but on it. How would City, that City is, fans no, feel about that? Yeah, get into that. But that is, Eventually you'll get there. That is clearly a, a ridiculous argument. Mm. Right? Would you rather finish third... Or would you rather finish fourth and get to the Champions League final? There is that is a stupid argument yes. to have. The answer is obvious: you'd finish third. The um, <laughs> the, the um, I, I think so. I think the answer to that question is that the City fans would say that whatever they had done is the best thing that they could have done, and nothing else matters. So yes, they, you're, you're insuring yourself against unnecessary uh, perceived unnecessary criticism. Yeah, because I was talking to a few when I did the worked on the Southampton Man City game, the last game of the Premier League season recently. Uh, recently. And <laughs> speaking to the the press Such people there, and we were talking about City were chasing 100 points. They're on 97, and I said, "Well, this 100 points it would be great, wouldn't it?" And he said, "No, we need to win the Champions League." Oh, is that right? That's the first thing they came out with. That clearly. Of course, it's great this season. The goals, the wins, the they are saying uh, that from points. a position of strength. No, but, they, though, but they, that is what no, this is now. It's easier to say that when you're on 97 no, but that's, points. That, that's they, they realise how short they are in terms of what they're trying to achieve. We need to win. They the also Champions don't know League. how long they've got Pep. Absolutely, but yeah. that's unusual for yeah. City fans. Just City fans have, in my experience, not a fan. This was people working, working within the club. Oh, within so, the club. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Because I would say the fans would. Still, as far as I can tell, are still primarily driven by the league title, not the Champions League. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think if you ask those same City people the same question in September, mm. you'd get a different answer. Oh, okay, they're, the they're, league, they're yeah. speaking. They're speaking from a position of, you know, not 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 having to worry about whether they're going to win the league or not. So, yeah. they, of course, they can say no. We need to win the Champions League. Mm. Your your desires are completely contextual. Yeah, ten years ago, my desires. Yes, indeed. Large they are based on only on how many fingers are. you can dip into that hummus. Uh, only the, one little finger. It was one little finger, and dipper. it was uh, you've been you've been in the garden the entire morning. One that is really, true. Really does wonder what the hummus to compost ratio is now. Uh, but Monday? it's completely <laughs> contextual. So if you if you're a Manchester City fan at a time when you had no chance of winning any trophies, you would mm. say that the, the best thing that could happen that season is to beat Manchester United. Not I'm twice, not sh- actually. but once. But yeah, I'm not sure so it was. I'm not sure. It it, well, I understand changes. what you're saying, but I'm not sure it was meant in the way that. Well, we that's taken for granted, and every season we're going to win the league by ten points. It was they, they feel. Ask them when they're not winning the league. But, by no, 10 yeah, but Chinch is right that within within Man City, and I suppose it's right that we should end this podcast, the final podcast of the season, talking about Man City. Mm. Well, within Man City, I've, you've actually stole my line. Brilliant. The Good. <laughs> the let's change see, is let's complete. See, let's see how you will. Quick, rewrite, rewrite. Yeah, exactly. Let's see how As you. As Rory said, and then just you, say the same thing. Let's see how you respond to, to, to <laughs> pressure. Uh, the given that you keep crediting my ideas to Steve. Well, I don't know. I just, just a verbal Gagan press. Somebody, yeah. This is a oh, yeah. oh, press. It's absolute, absolute best. I think, verbal I think best. Rory, once the ideas have gone down on a spreadsheet, I mean, yes. who knows whose idea it was initially? I know. I don't know. How many pieces have you written for the New York Times that have just been basically lifted from set-piece menu? I Quite mean, come a lot. on. <laughs> There's a, I mean, I've only got so many thoughts, and very few of them are worth anything. In that you know, case, you should hold on to the ones that are genuinely yours. I think, I'm doing the radio tonight. I'm, I'm going to basically say everything that I've said here. For that, this is a practice. This is a dry run for chappers. The, um, I think within City, there is... The, 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 within City's hierarchy, the focus is the Champions League. That is without question. That's been true at consistently. The, at the very top. But you yeah. are right that... In October next year, if City are fourth, because they've lost a couple of games or whatever, then the focus will very quickly not be the Champions League and it will be the Premier League. So you are right in that. But within within City generally, there is an acceptance that the next stage has to be winning the Champions League. I think it's easy to focus on the Champions League if you're either winning the Premier League easily or you have won the Premier League so many times Mm. that that provides a difference. Uh, Just to very quickly finish on City, which is my idea, my idea alone, and hasn't been prompted by anybody's previous comments. You do need to finish with City because there has been this running narrative that I think has frustrated us 
about Pep cannot win the Premier League doing it his way. We have learned that that can happen. He has done that and he's done it in incredible style. So is that something that people will stop harping on about now? Uh, no, not at all. Right, because, so because there will be a, an attempt to find flaws in what Pep did. The people will a point out rightly that it took him a year, whereas in Spain and Germany it was straight away. They'll point to the money that he spent, which has been a lot, but as we've said before, like, there comes a point where like, who is spending 300 million quid that much different to spending 250 million quid? No, it's not. It really isn't. And, and the, his signings it's have one worked. Fullback. It's, it's, one, it's one player. But, it, but he's spent the money well as opposed yeah. to other people who've spent 250 million quid and haven't won the league. Well, yeah, so. and spending money is part of being a manager. So why on earth would yeah. you... I mean, Liverpool's, Liverpool... It's not just Man United and Man City. Liverpool spent 75 million quid on a central defender in January. Like None of them can say we have tried to... To win, N- none of these teams are Athletic Bilbao. None of you, none, none of the big six are Athletic Bilbao winning the lead with just past players. None, of, that's not what's happening. None of you are Celtic 1967 winning the European Cup with players born in one house in Glasgow <laughs> or whatever it was. And within an hour's drive. Within an yeah, it's within an, <laughs> something like that, or within a number of miles. An hour's drive. Yeah, but very, that, that's yeah. those were really old cars. Really slow cars. Like 30, miles. Is it not 30 miles. Is it not 30 miles? Is it not within like 30 miles of Celtic Park, which was an hour's drive? They broke down twice. In, um, <laughs> yeah, n- none of them have the moral high ground. They're all spending loads of money and they're all, you know, paying loads of loads of wages and they're all full of foreign players and, and all that. So to me, the fact that Pep spent Fifty million more than Man United, or hundred million more than Liverpool. Who cares? Because they've all spent a fortune. It doesn't matter. That's not what what Pep's done. Is is coaches players sign the right players, coach them well, produce Imp- a brilliant team, them and, and make them better. Make them do what he wants to do. You can't. The fact that he spent money doesn't take away from that triumph. People will find the money as a reason to to make themselves feel better. To, make, to say that that's what it's that's that's all. I, I saw another debate on Twitter the day about whether it was better for Arsenal to have won the league unbeaten in 2004 or for City to have got to have got to 100 points which is a much better argument but phrased in such a way by an Arsenal fan as to say you know they've spent two they've spent two billion quid for 100 points they haven't they spent a billion quid or two billion quid to become one of the biggest football teams in Europe that's what they wanted Man City have got value for money that the project has worked doesn't matter how much it's cost but the um and every fan would welcome the same happening to yeah, them exactly. should they have the resources and then then all the all the same fans get cross when their club doesn't spend enough money. So how can you blame City for spending money? It's, ri- it's a ridiculous hypocrisy. But anyway, it will not stop the idea that Guardiola has had to adapt to English football. But there is no question that the main thing, the main takeaway I guess from City this year is that that this has been a purely pep triumph. He has not compromised. He has done it his way and it has worked spectacularly. And we've learned that actually a coach improving players very quickly on the training ground is still alive and well rather than just buying ready-made players in ready-made positions and let them go and play. You can see, look at Raheem Sterling, you can see where the coaching and how hard they work to improve players and that's what he's all about. So we have learned some things, but maybe not necessarily Mm. as much as other people have learned, let's put it that way, because I wanted that massive hindsight 2020 vision thing to be applied and we've done that excellently. Um, It is time for Nevermind Jack and Ori, what a cake. Oh my goodness (laughs) me, have you seen that cake? Good Lord. It it's is a shame time. You've got to go, so Sorry, I was you. very distracted. <laughs> Never mind Jack and Ori. What a soccer story. This is an Andy Tells' tale from his playing days with all adult behaviour and libel worthy details removed. It's a very quick one. Um, I know this part of the this segment of the podcast is becoming very important to people. It's pretty clear. I'm sure Steve could back that up with hard data. I saw someone wearing a t shirt. Uh, data. <laughs> yeah, I, I did recently did a little piece for. Can I mention Sky? I've mentioned them too late. Uh, about Man City leaving Main Road, going to the Etihad and all the massive changes and stuff. And it, it got me thinking. And when I start thinking, that's what people really appreciate, isn't it? We shut down for 20 minutes. Yes. No, no. You, you say, hang on a minute. You, your musings have really changed my life. A lot of young punks out on the street that I talk to, that's what they say. They're the young very punk. words that they use. <laughs> so it's really door-to-door politician. The changing face of clubs. You look at their, their training complexes and, and how hard they work on diet and science and training and everything like that. And it, it kind of threw me back to when I... For, stop reading what I've written down. <laughs> really I'm going to tell you the story. Really interested. Um, you see how it is now. The Etihad, that training complex is amazing across the road from the Etihad and how hard they work and how they work with the young players in development, all that type of thing. When I was at Man City, when I first started, 16, 17 years old, we used to play on a Saturday. This is the big difference. Play on a Saturday. Have maybe Sunday off. A Monday morning, like clockwork, we used to go to Widdenshaw Park. Good park. With some excellent trees yep. and clumps of trees, which we were then made to run round... It was called laps and half laps. And do you want me to explain what that means? Well, 
<laughs> Firstly, you'd run a lap of the clump of trees times 10, and then you'd run half laps of the clumps of trees times 10, mm. then quarter laps of the clump of trees times 10, then you'd do sprints times 10, and then go back up again. So basically, by the end of that session, that it lasted about an hour, people would be vomiting. Yeah. We had a game on the Wednesday. <laughs> so, again, about training, resting, recovery. Clearly now, training is all about quality. Did Back then, it was just quantity of work that you did. That was what we did on a Monday. We hadn't recovered from Saturday. We had a game on the Wednesday. Let's run them on a Monday till they vomit in Venture Park. Can, can you give us an that? Rory's written a book about that. Can you give <laughs> us an idea about like, how, how big a clump of trees we're talking? It's a fa- if you were doing a lap, a lap would take you, running a fair lick, mm. would take you a good 45 seconds. Okay. 50 seconds. So what are we talking? Maybe 300 metres? Okay. So you're doing that, and then another group would do it. So you'd rest while they were working. Then you'd do it again. Then they'd do it again. Times 10. Right. Straight onto a smaller one. A smaller one again. Sprints. Then sprints. Then quarters, halves. And fo- but again, it's just And physically. then hack your guts up. <laughs> Get back in the minibus. Go back to the... Gr- and then just basically, you're dead for two days. Oh, by the way, lads, we've got a big game on Wednesday. Really need to win. Yeah, but my legs are like lead. <laughs> I wonder why that is. So you see how football, the changing face of soccer in 25 years with chinch <laughs> thanks Andrew if you ever wanted proof that he's really old there's another story yes. uh, so then here is the moment that you have all been waiting for no not the end of the pod the triumphant crowning of our SPM PLPL champion for nine months you have all forgotten that you entered the pod predictions league well all that hard work has paid off for one lucky person points were given for the amount of places that you were wrong in your predictions of the final Premier League placings with a point to get as few points as possible before we reveal the winner some interesting subplots. First of all, our positions finally are in um, descending order because it's funnier to finish with Steve because he was terrible. <laughs> Rory was a very impressive 24th oh. overall. Nearly completely right with your top six, but killed by putting Burnley bottom. I put Burnley bottom. You put wow. Burnley bottom. Chinch, 73rd. Oh, that's not bad. Killed by Burnley 19th and West Brom 9th. Mm. Ah, yeah. Hugh finished 215th, <laughs> I remind you, out of 300. Also killed by West Brom and Burnley, while I had Crystal Palace in the bottom three. I was, however, the only one that had the right top four teams. Completely the wrong order, but the right four top teams. And Steve finished an entirely uncredible 274th oh, that's good. out of 300. And bearing in mind, before the... Penultimate round of fixtures and the final day, you're in the 290s. So, so things I've worked in your favour. I've clawed my way out of the bottom 25, so a bit like Southampton in the final week of the season. Very I dramatic. stayed up what was and his worst? Which one did he get next season? He had Chelsea winning the league. He also had the bottom three, 10th, 11th and 12th. Hurrah. So that. That's <laughs> because, really that's because like the owners of those clubs... I was lulled into a false sense of security. <laughs> um, a couple of uh, special mentions before we announce the winner. Uh, Jamie Clark's team, JC11, managed 10 bang-on predictions. Wow. Oh. Half of the 20. Brilliant. Uh, but clearly got the rest dramatically wrong yeah. uh, because he wasn't in the reckoning to any great extent. The wooden spoon goes to Alex Butcher's team, Rock You Like a Hurricane, no, in last even position. Even worse than me. Well done. And they did not get anywhere near 200 points, which, as we discovered earlier, is the worst that you could possibly be if every was How many points was be. bottom? Bottom was 86 points. Oh, that's points. not too bad. So it's uh, not too bad at all. Six players predicted the top six correctly. So well done to George Whiting's Gluten-Free FC, Matthew Joyce's Siren Sirens, Edward Fiorentina Turner, Thomas Kelly <laughs> Blaugrana, and Jamie Clark was one of those ones who got the top six right, six of his ten. No one predicted the relegated teams at all. Um, Perrin well, Dixon, who uh, is a regular contributor on Twitter, um, Dixon Cider, got West Brom, Swansea and Huddersfield was the closest. And a fascinating fact, and this leads us to the winner. Had Gabriel Jesus not scored in the 94th minute against Southampton on the final day of the season to take Southampton down from 16th to 17th, the winner would not have won. Ooh. Incredibly dramatic, very, very exciting. So literally right down to the 94th like Aguero, minute of the season. Aguero League table, wasn't Amazing. it? Amazing. So congratulations for getting the same points as position two, three, four and five, but having the most correct bang-on predictions. Mm. The winner is with the team Peps a God, perhaps fittingly, 
Colin Bright. Congratulations. Well done, Colin. Well done. You had seven exactly right. Uh, Colin Bright is the winner. Incidentally, there was one person in 300 who predicted that Burnley would get in the top seven. Nobody Nobody else else. did. So congratulations to them. I don't know who it was. Um, And also, it's worth saying that if you are level on points, you are separated by how many you got right. And if you're level with how many got right, it's how many you are one away, etc., etc. That's how we decided uh, how to order you. You can have a look at tinyurl.com forward slash set piece menu. I've just written down here, prizes, question mark. I think we could. Can't we rustle up a prize? You can have a free book. Free book. Free book. Free book. I've not got. I, I can't any improve books, on that offer. Chinch written any well, books? When we write my book, because this soccer story, really, we need to put these the down anthology on paper. It would of be, soccer stories. Don't you think? Neville Southall's what's it and other nine, stories. Nine chinch nails. The story of Andy Hinsley. <laughs> oh, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> nails in his knee. Yes. <laughs> Andy Hinsley's story. Uh, we will cobble together something, uh, Colin. Thank you very much indeed. Congratulations to you. Uh, thanks again to Best Man Billy for going above and beyond on all of this. He was crunching numbers right up to the final day. His main reward was finishing third overall, would you believe? Oh, wow. So it's not a fix. I absolutely promise you. He will also get a plug, because don't forget, for all your planning needs in the London area and beyond, try his excellent company, Planning Sense. It really does make planning sense. Uh, So thanks to Billy for that. An, Mm. An incredible competition, enjoyed by all, apart from Steve. Yeah, I'm glad he didn't... 298. Oh, are we doing it again next yeah, we season? Should, should, right. we, should we do it again? I think we might have to ask Billy about that because he's the c- complete statistical and logistical support. Because of the conversations we've had, it's going to be a lot easier because people are going to say, right, the top six is just whether we can get those in the correct order. The rest of the nuggets we can kind of put wherever we want to put them, really, and we won't be that far off. Wolves will finish top ten. Will they now? Yeah, I think will they now? Yeah, they are a good team. So they are a good team. Yes. And just one other little statistic. 159 of the 300 uh, thought that Manchester City would win the league. 103 thought Manchester United would. And rather amusingly, Arsenal were the second most predicted to win the league this season by the 300 who got involved. But they won't be next season. So thank you very much indeed. Any complaints about that, send them to Billy. If you want to get in touch with the pod, send it uh, to us at setpiecemenu or setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Please do subscribe, share, rate and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Thank you to Steve, Rory and Andy and to all of you for listening. We'll be back with another setpiece menu for you to enjoy very soon after pudding, which to me looks like some sort of incredible Bonoffi construction. You are... But not a quite pie. wonderful woman. Look, Thank you very much. Chin, that. I'm moving I in have, and bringing my child, my child, wife and daughter. I have You're just only decided human. that I'm going to be late for my next appointment. Wow. Shake Mansour will have to wait. Astonishing. Oh, that is that cheesecake. Is it's absolute mess. <laughs> oh. It's the finest cheesecake. Gagan Thank cheesecake. You Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That was delicious. Ooh. Everything was been delicious. I've been taking photos of the food throughout, Nikki, and I'm not even on Instagram. Thank so you. That's, how, that's how highly I would recommend popping around to Chinch's for dinner. Oh. Um, normally we fade out on uh, a hearty banter, but mm. um, I think we'll just um, let this take it. We're not to do that this time. No. No. Nobody time. wants you to do that, Chinch. Oh, my word. Oh.